Hey everyone, welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host and manager of BT Powerhouse, and we're bringing you another uh, early morning special here for the podcast. So again, um, please please expect my voice to be a little uh, shoddy here, <laughs> um, just waking up. But we do have a, a pretty interesting topic today. I know I feel like I say that every time, but. Um, Always, always fun to talk Big Ten hoops, and we're previewing a one of the better teams in the Big Ten over the last couple of years, and, and certainly projected to be one of the better teams this year, and that is um, is Purdue. Uh, the Boilermakers are coming off a couple of NCAA tournament appearances, really a successful season last year, featuring some big time non conference wins. NCAA tournament didn't end well with a with an upset loss, but. Uh, Really, really coming into the season with some momentum and, and looking to make, take that next step. But uh, to help us break it down, we have uh, Casey from Hammer and Rails uh, on to join us. Casey, uh, thanks for joining us so early. How's it going? Not bad. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. Ha- happy to have you on. Um, I, I think this is the first time we've had you on from Hammer and Rails. Um, really like your uh, your stuff and, and really the whole site over there. So, uh Excited to get you on to to chat some Purdue basketball here. Um, so yeah, yeah. What, what what's the feeling like over there in in Purdue land? Um, you know, obviously, a couple of successful years. The last two, um, are our fans hopeful or are they worried uh, about a potential letdown year this season? I think we're always pretty carefully optimistic at the start of the year. As much as we like our team, we watched. Uh, We've watched ourselves fold in March a little too much to ever feel that good going forward. <laughs> fair, definitely a uh, yeah a, a fair mental status, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely, uh, certainly, at least, I would say more hopeful than uh, about the football team. So uh, <laughs> at least that's going. Um, but I was hoping this was a uh, safe place and we wouldn't bring up football. <laughs> you know, I, it, you know that's fair. That's fair. I don't want to scare off our listeners. Um, so <laughs> I promise I won't talk about football anymore. Um, <laughs> at least I, I, I hope not. Um, but uh, <laughs> let, let, let's jump into it. I always I always like to start the season preview podcast with with sort of a look at last season. Um, we all know, you know, Purdue posts a, a pretty solid record. They race out to that um, undefeated start. Uh, unfortunately, um, wheels come off a little bit later in the year, and th- and then obviously ends in you know utter disappointment in the NCAA tournament. Um, what what do you make of last year? Do you do you consider it a successful season? And um, I, I guess spinning off of that, what what do you think that season brings into this year? I feel pretty good about last year just because we were really bad for a couple years. And last year, pretty much every game, besides weirdly enough, the Illinois game and maybe a little bit the Iowa game, we were in the lead or right in there pretty much every game. And we never felt like we, we didn't have the talent to compete. It's just that late in the game, we just struggled to be able to close it out. Um, we definitely had some holes. We had too many one-dimensional players. Um, Rachel Davis hurt his knee early and 
pretty much once he did that, he became an offensive liability, and he struggled to be the same consistent player that won the defensive player of the year. So I think going forward, we lost two seniors, and Hammonds you're never going to be able to replace. But I think we actually feel better about this team because we're bringing in Carson Edwards, we're bringing back Basil Smotherman, and we have a lot of guys that are, you know, really talented. And last year they got a lot of experience in a lot of close games, and we felt like we were just on the cusp of something. And you've got to hope that we actually, you know, push over it this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. I, you know, I, I actually talked. Um, I'm sure Purdue fans don't like this to hear this, but uh, you know, on the last the Indiana preview prog- podcast um, <laughs> about how you know sometimes it, it's really tough to judge a team's success rate in college because you know unlike professional sports where you know you just basically you win the championship or you don't. It, it's pretty simple to judge um, in college sports and particularly NCAA basketball, you know, uh, I use the example of a a team can potentially win like five trophies in a year and not win the national title. Um, So it's really hard to judge. So, I mean, I think people put a lot of emphasis on the NCAA tournament for obvious reasons, and I think that's fair. But um, I think Purdue was a good team last year. I think it was a, a successful season, and I don't think one kind of freak loss um, in the NCAA tournament should totally override that. Um, you know, maybe if it becomes a pattern, uh, you can talk about that. But I, I just – I still think there was more than enough success to make up for the uh, the rough ending, shall we say. Um, I mean, when you, when you still win 26 games, 12-6 uh, and six in conference play, you nearly win the Big Ten tournament. It's, it's hard to get to down on that year, at least from my view. But – Moving on from that, you know, obviously there's going to be some transition from last year's team. Uh, not a ton for Purdue, but they do lose a couple key players. You know, they lose Johnny Hill in the backcourt. They, they're losing Davis, um, as you mentioned. And uh, A.J. Hammonds, obviously the, the senior star in the, in the front court, is off to the NBA, where apparently he's being demoted to the D-League and then back to the NBA in like one day or something. I don't know. Weird story, but uh, <laughs> um, so Purdue Purdue isn't losing a ton in terms of numbers, but the guys they are losing are pretty significant. Um, what do you make of these offseason losses, and how much are they going to hurt Purdue this year? I think one thing I want to get out there, Rachel Davis was never the defensive player of the year in the conference. I know his trophy case says that, but it has been A.J. Hammond since he stepped on campus. A lot of what Rayfeld could do was based on having a big man behind him that could constantly just protect any mistake that a guard made. He just swallowed the rim up. And offensively last year, he just didn't have it. Uh, he couldn't get to the hoop anymore. His, his three-point shot was actually fine, but everything else was a lot of forced mid-range stuff that couldn't go. Johnny Hill was – way too one-dimensional offensively. His jump shot looked like the lower half of his body looked like he was trying to jump out of the water when he was shooting, like it like flipped like a dolphin. It was weird. Um, so really what we're going to miss is A.J. Hammond's defensibility to cover up mistakes of the players we had. But what we're bringing in in Carson Edwards is a 
true freshman and a guard that we haven't had in a long time that's capable of not only knocking down a shot but getting to the rim. Uh, he's shown a pretty good ability to pass the ball, too, both out on the perimeter after a drive and finding big men cutting. And the return of Basil Smotherman is I'm, – I'm going to say he's going to be better than Rafael Davis was last year. I know that seems weird to say, but he, when we recruited him, he was a four-star recruit and the number four player in the state. I, I think a lot of us forget that because we haven't seen him for a year. And even his sophomore year, he was playing less than his freshman year. But he's a really good player, and his jump shots never looked broken to me. I know he hasn't shot it well, but he's, you know, taking it with some confidence now in the offseason. And if he can knock down that perimeter shot and be, you know, a long-armed, stretchy wing with uh, Vincent Edwards, we have the athleticism we didn't have last year. And Isaac Haas is a beast inside, and no, no guy is going to be able to guard him one-on-one. So he's going to cause a lot of problems in mismatches, and we're going to have a lot of open shots, and we have shooters everywhere. So I think we're going to lose a little defensively, but what we gain offensively is going to more than make up for it. Yeah, I'm happy you brought up that point on Davis. I know um, I I was a little uh, disliked among the Purdue community for a bit there when I I wasn't as high on Davis, so I'm I'm happy to hear the fans kind of came around on that. yeah, I, I always I always thought AJ Hammonds was the guy creating that defense um, for Purdue, and, and certainly in that stellar year uh, two years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I, to me, I I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I I don't think Davis is a massive loss, um, just because I mean, if you even look at his minutes, he played a lot, but not necessarily like locking down a spot. He's more just kind of a guy who played a couple of different spots. So I wouldn't be as worried about that, especially with Edwards coming back um, on the wing. But A.J. Hammonds is certainly a significant loss. You know, Isaac Haas has proven himself to be more than a competent big man, so you do have a replacement in waiting there. But um, Hammonds was by far, in my opinion, the best big man in the Big Ten. Um, Obviously, his numbers speak for themselves. You know, his block rate is off the charts. Uh, He's great rebounding numbers, uh, got to the free throw line. He was a really, really solid player, um, one of the Big Ten's best. So to lose him, even if you have a replacement, is a blow. But um, you do have Haas there. If you can find, you know, a depth guy there to, to take, you know, 10 minutes a game, I think you'll be fine. Um, but uh, that definitely, that that's the one that at least caught my eye. But, um, of course, you know, Guys may be leaving, but the team's also adding uh, some pieces as well. Um, Purdue is a uh, – they're not bringing in a ton in terms of recruiting this year, just just one recruit. Um, but they are bringing in, uh, by way of the, the transfer market, um, some additional talent. Uh, what, what do you make of the newcomers this year, and who who's your eye on uh, heading into the season? I mean, it's Carson Edwards. Spike Albrecht is nice, but Carson Edwards has the chance to be an X-factor and the kind of combo guard that we just haven't had since Etwan Moore. He is able to do everything on offense. Unlike, we have so many specialists. You know, Ryan Klein can shoot. Dakota Matthias can shoot. They can both pass pretty well, but they just can't do anything off the dribble. And I think what we saw, especially in the tournament game, Vincent Edwards is just not capable of doing that on his own right now. 
And I think Carson is going to be, you know, a huge addition. And Spike will be a little bit too. He's a very good passer. Um, he's a little bit Steve Nash in the way that he holds the ball for almost an unusually long time waiting for things to develop. But I actually think the biggest addition is going to be the five-star recruit we got last year who was not the player we promised. We were promised. Caleb Swanigan was awful last year. His offensive rating was 96.1, by far the worst on the team. He turned over the ball half the time that he had it. I think his development is going to be like adding a new player. We're playing a spread pick and roll this year more, especially when Haas sits on the bench. And I think using him as a pick and pop guy is going to really open up his game and allow him to be the offensive threat that we all thought he was going to be last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I, I'm total, I'm as down on you as, as Swan again. Um, I, I, I thought he was pretty solid last year. You know, I, I don't think he was the uh, quite as good as, as maybe fans had hyped him up to be. Um, I know but, it's uh, I, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, you know, as a as a diehard Michigan guy, um, I certainly can speak to Albrecht. Um, coming in the backcourt, um, he he's not super athletic. He's not going to necessarily be great on the defensive end, but he's a really smart player. He's going to find open guys, and uh, he's not going to turn over the ball. Um, and he certainly uh, he can shoot from three point range, which which might be. How a nice did he do against the year. press? Um, he was actually pretty solid against the press, uh, to be honest. Um, they, uh, I want to say when they went on the final four run in 2013, um, they brought him in uh, and Trey Burke, which, you know, obviously speaks for itself, but uh, um, they, and they, but they roasted VCU. Um, They just demolished them, which certainly had, had at least partially to do with Trey Burke, but um, Spike didn't have a ton of trouble against them either. Uh, So I I think he's pretty solid. Um, The only thing with him is, uh, if, if you look at kind of how he trended during the season, the year he played the most um, for Michigan was uh, two years ago, which was 14-15. Um, and that's because uh, Derek Walton Jr., Michigan's point guard, went out for the year. So Spike got most of the minutes. Um, I don't Correct. think he's a player that can play above 20 minutes a game um, if you hope for him to be efficient. I don't think he will for Purdue this year. Um, but I think he's an outstanding player. Yeah, I I think he's an outstanding player off the bench, but not for starter minutes. So, I mean, um, maybe that's something to keep uh, a watch on just because, um, you know, obviously potential injuries or, um, you know, maybe a player gets suspended or something. You never know. But uh, I I, I do like his addition. Um, Never. Um, so yeah, and then, and then Carson Edwards, yeah, you mentioned it. I think he's the the guy of the future here. Um, well, obviously, you know that's why they recruited him. But uh, um, you know, he, he he certainly has been tearing it up in the uh, the summer trip and the exhibition stuff. So I mean, you have to think uh, that that's certainly optimistic. And, and if he can live up to half that uh, those numbers, I, I think he would be huge for Purdue and, and probably grab the starting spot at some point. Um, at point guard. So those two will definitely be interesting to watch. Um, But, you know, we talked about kind of, you know, some of the roster flux here. Um, 
let's jump into the actual roster itself. Um, let's start with the backcourt. You know, we hit on a couple of these guys, um, but most of the, the backcourts coming back, you know, really with the exception of, of Johnny Hill and I guess Davis, depending on where you consider him, um, his primary position here. Uh, what do you make of the backcourt, and who are the guys you're watching? I mean, the biggest thing is we all – every player in the Purdue team besides Haas that's going to play can shoot from deep. Dakota Messias is known as a shooter. Ryan Klein's obviously known as a shooter. P.J. Thompson was our best shooter last year. He shot, you know, 41% from three. Uh, Spike can shoot the ball. Carson can shoot the ball. Vincent Edwards can shoot the ball. And you're going to see a lot of variance with where everyone plays. But I think for the most part, Painter's going to feel comfortable switching. You know, P.J. can guard a two-guard here and there. They'll match him up with Spike every now and again. I think it's going to be a lot just hot hand who's not turning the ball over, um, who's playing solid defense, which is why I think you still have to give P.J. quite a few minutes. But for the most part, none of the guys dazzle in the way that you think a lot of elite programs. They don't have the athleticism, but they're all very heady players. They're all very smart. The assist rates you've got to love. And we try not to turn the ball over. And it's just playing smart and, you know, threatening from outside. And that's going to be the bread and butter. Once again, besides games where Carson Edwards really gets it going, we're going to live and die by Haas in the post. And then if our guys can make threes or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely, you know, this is one of those groups where um, – I, I think there's adequate depth, and I, I think there's adequate guys to make the group at least. I, I just think, you know, maybe this is a simplistic approach, but I, I think, you know, for where Purdue's sitting, or at least where we think they're sitting, um, and what their kind of goals are this year, uh, the big question is, can they find a guy who's, you know, maybe they all be 10 honorable mention level um, out of this group? Because if they can find that, I think um, uh, this group could be pretty good. Um, and, and certainly do enough to let the other position groups win the game. Um, you know, uh, so, I mean, I, I, I think that's the big thing. It, it's kind of, you know, you have a, a bunch of guys, but uh, you have an actual guy <laughs> that, that can dominate. And, again, um, maybe that's a simplistic approach, but, but that's kind of how I see this group. And I, I think uh, your eyes have to be on Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards. Obviously, Klein was some off-court issues uh recently but uh I, I think either one of those two are are the guys you're going to look for to potentially blow up we'll, we'll see if that happens i would but, actually um, uh, oh go ahead I, if you're talking all big 10 honors i think it would be dakota Mathias, which sounds a little weird because he disappears a lot on the court but as i mentioned painter is playing a different offense this year especially during the inner scrimmage when it was Matthias and Swanigan, all they did was run Matthias and Swanigan pick and rolls. Dakota's never going to score mm-hmm. a ton unless he gets real hot from deep, but he is an elite passer, and his chemistry with uh, Swanigan was really impressive. And if we – there was a couple games last year where we turned the offense over to him, and if we do that more this year, he could, you know, up almost four or five assists maybe, considering how much shooting we have around him. And if he does that, you know, he looks he looks quicker on defense. 
So I would say that's a dark horse in the in the backcourt to actually get an All Big Ten, you know, consideration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely, uh, yeah, certainly think it's possible. I mean, you know, uh, you, you mentioned the limited minutes. You know, maybe he can do more if he gets a little more playing time uh, a game. You know, his uh, efficiency numbers were obviously pretty solid last year, although. Uh, partially due to the the fact you know he can pass to those <laughs> that front court right. but uh it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to watch because I, I think the general consensus um certainly outside of Purdue is the backcourt is the weakest position group and um it's the group that is quote unquote holding the team back um I don't know if I totally agree with that but um I certainly think on paper it, it is the weakest group um so if if you can see a guy like um Matthias bust out, uh, that'd be huge for, for the season. But um, let's move to the wing. Um, a, lot of, a lot of proven contributors coming back here. Um, obviously, potential uh, NBA picks and Vince Edwards, uh, or I should say Vincent Edwards and Caleb yeah. Swanigan. Mama um, says what, what do you <laughs> uh, Exactly. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of this group? Um, and I guess, uh, do you see it improving from last year? I, Vincent Edwards is never going to be the guy who, you know, scores 20 a game. He's more than happy to step back on the side and let other hot hands take care of it. He just does everything so well. And this year, look for him to take on more of a defensive role to fill in the Rachel Davis gap on the perimeter. Caleb Swanigan, like I said earlier, couldn't have played much worse for the talent that he has. Um, he, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well. From three, he was 29% from deep. Uh, he wasn't bad from two-point range, but he still, you know, he turned the ball over too much. And we kind of forced him in the post, and I'm not sure that's what his game is in college or what it's going to be in the NBA. But I think the X factor here is uh, Basil Smotherman. Like I said earlier, he's, you know, used to be the fourth-best player in the state, and he's looked really good in scrimmages. Uh, he also disappears at times, which is a little unnerving. But we really don't have an athlete like him, and we definitely didn't have one last year. He's 6'6", super long, springy. He's almost always good for a pick six, steal, and dunk. And if he can add a jump shot to his game with his ability to cut off the ball, he is going to be a dark horse for maybe all an all-defensive team and maybe even sneak into the honorable mention team just because He's going to put up points. He's going to get rebounds, blocks, steals. He's going to do a little bit of everything for us, and he's the athlete that we haven't had on the wing to go against, you know, another body to throw out someone like Nigel Hayes. And we really struggled with that last year. So I think wings is where we're going to have the most improvement. Yeah, I I think the thing about Swanigan, um, he's one of the more interesting players in the Big Ten just because he – uh, there's so much disagreement about what he is and, and what he should be mm-hmm. doing and, and so on. Um, I, I've, I've always liked Swanigan as a player um, in the sense that, you know, I think he's a, a certainly a solid player at the collegiate level. Um, I think he's an outstanding rebounder, which obviously he showcased. But um, I, was, I was never quite as high. I never quite viewed him as a five-star. I, I know some Purdue fans might disagree, um, I always viewed him as sort of the high-end four-star, which, yeah, which maybe is nitpicking. Um, but I, I always viewed him as just a little bit less because 
I didn't think he had that polished all-around game that you usually see out of a five-star. And, again, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. The guy is obviously a solid contributor, but um, – and I, I think some of those holes showed up last year. You know, obviously the long-range shooting was a major issue, um, and the fact that he took that many attempts um, – you know, he, he took 72 shots uh, from three-point range last year, and he's hitting 29%. Um, that that just makes no sense uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, uh, you know, it, any Purdue fan can tell you watching games last year, you know, he'd be wide open from three. And, you know, in his head he's probably thinking, oh, I'm wide open. I'm going to take the shot. Not thinking like, oh, yeah, the defense is leaving me wide open because they don't think I'm going to make it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think – close games with just yeah yeah so in last few minute threes yeah horrible <laughs> totally agree and I think you know part of that is um not only the fact that he needs to improve there you know if he's going to be a a four in the NBA or, or you know wherever he wants to fit in um you got to shoot at least 30 percent at least and frankly that's kind of low uh to be shooting yeah. as many times as he did um, but, uh, I, I, I think the other part of it is I, you cannot shoot that much. Just don't shoot that much. But, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, he's either, he's either got to take a step forward there or he needs to realize, Hey, you know what? I'm not an elite three point shooter. Um, I just can't shoot for that much from three. Um, so I, I, I'd say that's, that's the first part. And the second part is, uh, the dude has to get, become a better passer. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, that's a little tough of a criticism on a, a big man, but, um, you know, his turnover rate was abysmal. You know, you talked about it and, uh, you know, if, if he's going to be a dynamic player, especially if he can't hit the long shot, um, if he can pass and hit open guys, I, I think that would be huge for, for Purdue, especially with, you know, a backcourt that that's had its inconsistencies over the last couple of years. But, um, on the positive side though, elite rebounder, um, I do think he's going to become a little more efficient, especially inside, um, you know, from his numbers last year. So I, I, I still think he's Purdue's best player coming into this year. Um, whoa, I, I guess for the record, whoa, I, I whoa. thought. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Vincent uh-oh. Edwards is what did I run into? Vincent okay, okay. I, uh, but, I, no. I, I. I respectfully disagree, but um, I, I can appreciate that. Um, so I, I, I would say I, I think Swanigan is by far uh, – I guess my last point on Swanigan is just he's the absolute X factor with this team. If they're going to win the Big Ten, if they're going to make an NCAA tournament run, it's going to be because of him, um, whether it's even, you know, as we said, just taking fewer three-point shots. We'll see. Um, Vincent Edwards, uh, you mentioned the other big guy in the wing group. Um, obviously a, a proven commodity, um, consistent long-range shooter, uh, efficient offensively, solid defender, solid rebounder, um, really a, a great player. I, I think he's going to continue on that trajectory this year. Uh, I, I don't have him above Swanigan just because I, I, I think Swanigan brings things that Edwards doesn't, but obviously they're both excellent players and uh, will be in the All-Big Ten conversation. Um, at least to start the season. Um, in terms of depth, uh, yeah, I mean, not a, a ton, ton here, uh, but, you know, potentially based on what Smotherman does, we'll, we'll see what he can do after 
uh, sitting out last year. But uh, I, I do like this group. I, I think it's um, it, it's pretty similar to what it was last year, but I do think it has a little extra uh, um, from, you know, more experience for Swanigan. But moving into what has been Purdue's uh, biggest group, both literally and figuratively here uh, over the last couple of years, the front court. They lose A.J. Hammonds, but Isaac Haas returns. Uh, what do you expect out of the front court for this year? We're talking about depth, and it's big guy depth that worries me the most. Isaac Haas is a starting center, and Caleb Swanigan is the backup center. Caleb Swanigan is the starting power forward, and Vincent Edwards is the backup power forward. If any of those guys gets into foul trouble, then all of a sudden we're stretching Basil Smotherman into playing four, where he's where he'll be able to be. He can do it against some matchups, but he's not as tall as Edwards. He's not as long, not as strong. And if if Swanigan gets in foul trouble, then all of a sudden we we have to play Haas and his immobility. His lack of mobility on offense or on defense really scares me, especially against the wrong matchups where they're able to pull him out on a pick and roll. It it's concerning. Jaquil Taylor is the guy that if we could get ten minutes a game out of would be huge. He's springing long, quick, a lot of the things Hoff isn't, but we haven't got to see much of him because he's injured again to start the off season or to finish the off season. But he's the kind of player that if if he could get somewhere between six to eight minutes every night, that could be huge. Just because the right matchups, his athleticism and ability to stretch the floor, if he does prove to be an actual Big Ten player, would be huge for us. But I don't think coming into the season we can count on it. I think Purdue's going to play small a lot. I think we're going to play. When Haas is in there, we're going to feed him the ball and have shooters around him. And when he's not, we're going to have Caleb Swanigan in there and we're going to run a spread pick and roll and try to have four shooters on the floor at all times. I don't think it's going to be the same offense as last year where we just pounded the ball inside either Hammonds or Haas or Swanigan every possession. I agree. And, and you know, that depth thought, I guess, is a uh... – a very, very concerning, you know, aspect about this Purdue team. You know, I, I think, you know, we'll get to predictions here in a little bit, and I, I think most people, um, you know, figure uh, that Purdue uh, will be one of the Big Ten's top team. But this is a very potential uh, concern here, a major red flag. Um, obviously, you hope no one gets hurt for multiple reasons. But, uh, yeah, you basically have three guys manning three positions. <laughs> which, uh, you know, maybe that's a bit little misleading. You know, you have some other there. You have Taylor there. But really it is three guys, um, and we'll have to see. I like Haas. I, I think, you know, I, I've talked about him a little bit. Uh, I don't think he brings what Hammond's brought on the defensive end, but certainly yeah. a, a fishing guy up front, and he's gigantic. So, I mean, uh, Purdue will continue its tradition of having insanely huge dudes up front. So I mean, uh I think uh I think Purdue will be fine in the front court. I, I think they'll still be really good. But uh probably not as good as they well, certainly not as good as they were last year with that, you know, two towers uh mentality there. Um but yeah. you know, t- taking a step back I guess, uh, 
you know, from the position groups here. I, I guess from starting from point guard, ending at center, uh, what do you think the starting lineup is going to look like here on opening night? Tinker doesn't really get that creative when it comes to that. I, it, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Um, it's going to be P.J. Thompson, Dakota Mathias, Vincent Edwards, Caleb Swanigan, and Isaac Haas. There is a possibility as we go out through the season that uh, Carson Edwards takes a spot just out of pure athleticism and what he brings. But I don't, I don't see it much just because I don't think he's going to take Messiah's off the court. He's not the kind of player that makes mistakes. P.J. Thompson, you know, third best offensive rating in the country last year, according to Kim Palm. And I don't see a whole bunch of wiggle room. If anything, the one argument you might make is that you take Haas out and put Swanigan at the five, move Vincent up, and either add Basil in if you need athleticism or you add Carson Edwards or Ryan Klein if you want more shooting. I think if there's any weakness, it would be that, and that would protect uh, Haas from foul trouble early on. But I think we're pretty set on that five. I think it's pretty obvious that those are the five players he trusts most. And for the most part, I mean, those are the three wings that have – or three guards, people with the ball in his hands, Vincent, PJ, and Dakota that he trusts most. They led led the team in a offensive rating last year that returned. So I don't think there's a whole bunch of variance there. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think I have much difference in, in kind of how I see the starting lineup uh, there. It's, it, it's relatively predictable, I would think, outside of the, the backcourt a little bit um, heading into this season. But, uh, yeah, let, let, let's jump into the uh, the fun stuff here, <laughs> I guess. Um, let's get in, into the, the schedule. Um, you know, we hit on the team, but obviously, you know, they, they still have to play other teams. Um, right. The non-conference slate is uh, frankly <coughs> loaded. Um, you have the defending national champions at home um, really a couple days into the season. You get Louisville on the road. You get Notre Dame, Arizona State. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot to like here. Um, maybe the and, – and, you know, I, I should say even the lower teams, you do have a couple intriguing ones there with a, a Utah State, a Georgia State, um, even Cleveland State, who's been decent in recent years. Um, what do you make of the non-conference slate, and, and do you kind of like this ambitious scheduling here? I, it's kind of like minefield where, you know, you have the four or five bombs that you're worried about, but if this team is as good as we think they are, then pretty much all the non-conference past the big boys, the, what I see here, four games, you know, Villanova, Louisville, Arizona State, Notre Dame. Those are the non-cons that, you know, should give us trouble. Besides that, we should be able to take care of business. But we do have a team with a lot of guys stepping into new roles and expanding their games, so we might struggle early. I like the fact, I mean, you have to love a team that is experienced like that. You want to have them go through some tests. And, you know, the defending champion Louisville coming home is going to be a huge game. Going down to Louisville, though, might be what tells us most, like, if we actually belong with the upper tier. And, you know, it's nice to have those games. And what really happens is when you get into tournament time, those high seed games, you know, if you lose, you don't lose anything by losing to a good team. But if you happen to pull off an upset in Louisville on the road, that's the difference between getting a four seed and a three seed. And obviously, we need as much help in the NCAA tournament as possible. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm kind of with you here. I, I like I like the big games. I mean, they're going to be very tough to win for obvious reasons. Yeah. But if you can steal, you know, one against Villanova or Louisville, that would be massive. And then obviously, you know, if Notre Dame, it's going to be a relatively even matchup. But I think uh, I think Purdue's better than Notre Dame, so you figure you can get one there. Like get one against Arizona State. I I really like Purdue's not. I I like Purdue's non-conference schedule this year. I know the bottom end might be a little soft, but uh, I still think there's more than enough intrigue, even in those big games, to to get things rolling here. But moving into uh, the Big Ten schedule here, um, Purdue with with some interesting matchups. Um, generally speaking, we all kind of know what to expect out of Big Ten play. You know, everybody plays everybody at least once. Um, was there anything that popped out to you about this year's Big Ten schedule? And uh, how do you, how do you think it's going to factor into Purdue's season? The Big Ten is just tough. I think it's it's a combination of you know you don't really have anyone besides Rutgers that's just an absolute rollover, and then the top end teams are just really tough. Purdue doesn't have a killer stretch like we did last year. It's kind of broken up more, but you know we're going to go away to. Ohio State, and then host Wisconsin, and then go away to Iowa, which gave us a ton of trouble last year. I think that three-game stretch after, you know, an Iowa game at home and a Minnesota game at home, that would be the chance to – I'm guessing those three games is going to decide whether we're first or fourth in the conference. You want to get at least two wins out of those three. All three would be gravy. And from there, you know, you just set up for Michigan State, a couple of Michigan State games and a couple of Indiana games. Because after those first three games, it's not the toughest Big Ten schedule that I've seen. It's pretty much just Michigan State and Indiana that you worry a lot about. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I, I disagree with you a, a ton on there. You know, the Big Ten. Um, I don't, I don't think uh, it's. As, good at the top as it has been recently, but I think it's right. uh, certainly very, very deep uh, this year. You know, you're going to have a uh, a slew of teams that are capable of pulling off a an upset on a given night, which, you know, obviously makes it uh, extremely tough uh, to go through a given year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the, the only things that really pop out to me, you know, first off, finally getting back that uh, – home and home with um, Indiana, which has been long overdue. And I I won't get into my rivalry rants again. You know, I promise (laughs) that I'm the Indiana Indiana preview. No one likes it. No one likes it. Yeah, so I I won't get into that rant. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, – what do I want to say here? So I I think that's the thing that really pops out to the, the old eye. Um, outside of that, I, I think the schedule's pretty fair. Um, you know, having looked at some of the other ones that are just brutal, um, I, I think it's relatively fair. You know, a road game at MSU is going to be really tough. But outside of playing MSU on the road, Purdue actually doesn't have any really – well, you know, I should say MSU and Indiana, um, obviously, you know, right. home and home. But outside of those two, there really aren't that many tough ones. I mean, you're looking at seven out of nine Big Ten road games that are pretty winnable. I mean, they don't get Wisconsin on the road. Um, 
really Maryland. The only other one that really worries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess Maryland. And Michigan. You know, you, you have Maryland on the road. Um, Michigan. I'm I'm not sure what the Wolverines are going to be this year uh, compared to Purdue, but um, you know, a lot of these are winnable. Even that Maryland game. You know, Purdue right. figures on paper to be better than Maryland. So I mean, seven of nine Big Ten road games look pretty damn winnable. And when you have that, and then you have a big time home court advantage, and you're better than most of the Big Ten. Um, that sets up for a, a great uh, record in Big Ten play, and, and I'm interested to see how it turns Here's out. Here's where the Purdue but, game um, comes out. Because, you know, we were pretty favored to beat Arkansas Little Rock, too. Like, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> um, more more than fair, um, more than fair, I, w- I would say. Uh, the only thing I, I would throw out is just that uh, – um, what do I want to say here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it's a concern, but, you know, just on paper, certainly uh, looks like a, a pretty fair and uh, schedule that, that can really add up to a, a lot of wins, I, I would say. But, um, all right, well, uh, let's move into our, our final segment here, which uh predicting uh, the season. Um I won't ask you to name a, a specific record here, but uh, what kind of range do you see Purdue finishing in this year? Where do you see them in the Big Ten? And um, I assume you will have them in the NCAA tournament, and if so, uh, <laughs> how far do you see them going in March? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, I'll give you a win total. It's fine. Uh, 28 wins is what I see, I think. Probably, I think that I think there's a top three in the Big Ten, and I think one through three, you can pretty much switch them wherever they are. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Purdue. I don't get the Indiana love. I might be a homer. I might just hate them. I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see why they're – I think Yogi Ferrell is way too important for them to lose and just replace. So, in the Big Ten, I think Purdue finishes second. I – I, Wisconsin was my pick all summer, but I, I I just can't go against Izzo most of the time. So I think Michigan State wins it. Uh, I think I think this team's an elite eight team. I think a lot of the weaknesses we had last year that really would show themselves in the tournament, and they did. I think Tanner's going to be better. I think we've learned a lot from him. I think Carson Edwards fixes the biggest holes that we had, and by that time, he's not a freshman anymore. And I just think our length and ability, our versatility, and our ability to shoot at pretty much every position is going to allow us to finally break through that hurdle to the Elite Eight. Interesting. Yeah, bold bold pick here. Um, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, to start off, I, I think this is a. Uh, I've, I've said this numerous times. I, I still, uh, I still believe it, but um, I think, I think the Big Ten is, is four teams, and everyone else, those being Indiana, Purdue, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. I, I think the, they're going to finish in the top four in some order. Uh, not really sure how, but I do think those are the top four teams. Um, I think Purdue's going to be in the Big Ten title hunt certainly. 
through January. Um, we'll see February. You know, they get some of those tough road games we were talking about. Um, if they can kind of, you know, stay above water <laughs> in those. But uh, right. I, I think this team is more than capable of winning the Big Ten if that backcourt they can find, you know, maybe Matthias takes a step forward. Maybe Carson Edwards is, you know, the next coming. But uh, I, I think that's a uh, – they're going to be in the conversation and then it's just, you know, can they get enough out of the backcourt? Can Caleb Swan again take a big enough step forward to actually get them over the hump against some of the the premier Big Ten opponents? But uh, obviously I think, I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament out of that. And I think uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree. I feel like this is the year – they're going to make a little bit of a run. I don't, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to pick a Final Four or something like that just because you don't know the matchups. Uh, but we need to hear. I, I do think. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I I think uh, I I don't know why I I think this team is more than capable of making a run. Obviously, you know, if I if I think they're in the Big Ten title conversation, but uh, I I think this team is going to make the second weekend. I think they're going to have enough of a, a fire and a, enough uh, talent to, to win out. And uh, hopefully hopefully it's another – it's not another disappointment like last year, obviously. But uh, it'll be fun to watch. No debating that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so do you have any final thoughts here before I let you go on either uh, Purdue, the Big Ten, or, or anything else? I, I, do, I meant to say 26 wins. I meant to add two to last year. And I accidentally added from after the tournament. Um, I think just in general, this Purdue team is going to be kind of a change of culture. I think I read this in the piece I did for you guys. This is going to be the year that we find out whether Painter is a really good coach, a good coach, or a great coach. We, We should be a decent defensive team but our offense is going to win games. And the fact that we have as much shooting as we do should, if he's able to create an offense around that, literally the only guy that we're going to play that can't shoot past the free throw line is like costs. And there's not many college teams that can threaten at every position all over the court like that. If he can actually leverage that into what should be a top 10 to top five offense, we will both learn about Painter that he is, you know, the coach that we need. And it's also going to be, you know, it's going to result in Sweet 16, Elite 8, maybe a Big Ten title. And I think this is the year we find out. There's no ready-made excuses on this roster like there has been the last few years. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. It, it'll be an interesting year, and, and I think uh, it will tell a lot about the direction of the program and where ultimately uh, – Purdue's going to end up with Painter. So it, it'll be a, a lot of fun and, you know, no pressure. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, we but we do really appreciate you calling in, Casey. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and where can uh, our listeners check out your stuff? Uh, I'm CRide26 on HammerandRails.com. We do, you know, SB Nation sports stuff all about Purdue, do a podcast, all that good stuff. Thank you, man. <laughs> Definitely. But, uh, all right, well, Casey, thank you for joining us, and uh, have a good one. All right, you too.
Uh, as a reminder, everyone, that was uh, Casey writes for Hammer and Rails, which uh, puts out a lot of great Purdue material for SB Nation across the board. So I, I highly recommend everyone check out his stuff and all of the Hammer and Rails stuff. But with that, my name is Thomas Bendit. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Coming down with a cold here. Um, my name is Thomas Bendit. I uh, am the manager and host of this podcast. You can check me out on Twitter at T. Bennett, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks.